It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. And he brought the A to Vegas. He brought the A to the Super Bowl. Hey, he did what needed to be done, man. We needed that. I don't think that was a top five all-time halftime performance, but it was exactly what it was supposed to be. Yes. Like, both those things can be true. Me and my friends that were watching on our couch yesterday, that big fancy couch that's become its own character on the show, um, when Luda came on, I don't think there was a single butt cheek on that couch anymore. (laughs) Everyone was just like, oh! Because you you knew. I called Alicia Keys earlier in the week. Man, that was a fantastic halftime show. Everything that it should have been. Uh, it had Jermaine Dupree. I mean, come on. Man, his, his fit was a little crazy, though. Look, like a lot of razzle-dazzle Definitely there. thought he was CeeLo at first. <laughs> he did look a little bit like CeeLo. A little bit? I was like, where did the tattoo go on his head? Oh, that's Jermaine Dupree. That's not CeeLo. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't know how much to talk about the half in the show, but there is plenty of football to talk about. And I do want to say before we uh, hit the fancy first and ten imaging for one final time, this season, I do want to say that there is big news on the monumental sports to Virginia front. Eric Flack, one of the folks who broke it, Flack will join us coming up at 4:30. Our friend from WUSA nine, uh, is this thing going to get across the finish line? I am starting to have more doubts, and I had more doubts than most people when it started. So we will talk to Flack coming up uh, in the four o'clock hour, a little bit later. Right now, though, for the final time in the 2023-24 season, it's time for First and Ten. It's time to get the breakdown started. First up, Ten Observations. It's First and Ten. We start with the place that we have to start. We start with Patrick Mahomes because... This is ultimately about him. The fact that he is inevitable. The fact that he just is that guy in a way that we have only had a select few that guys in the history of this game. Patrick Mahomes is 28 years old, and if he retired today, he'd be a first. They'd run Pacheco up the middle again, and now it's fourth and one. They come out of that timeout, and they get... A monster, monster conversion on fourth and one. Super Bowl could have ended right there. All right, that's that's great. Mahomes finds Valdez Scantling for what should be, uh, or it doesn't, it doesn't end. So great for Kansas City, bad for San Francisco. Uh, finds Valdez Scantling out in the right, the right side. Should have been a gain of six. Instead, he gets his footing as he's being knocked down. Winds up being in control of himself again. Gets tackled three yards behind the line of scrimmage, and now you're looking at second and thirteen. They get uh, seven of it right back. And then on third and six, Mahomes gets another conversion. Uh, They trickle the ball down the field again. So much so that Kyle Shanahan calls a timeout on defense to tell Steve Wilkes, stop playing this soft doo-doo coverage. Get out of it. By the way, at this point, Mahomes, zero incompletions. Spoiler alert, he wouldn't have one on the drive. Finds Pacheco. Scrambles up the middle again for 13. Pacheco on another short gainer. Mahomes to Kelsey on that middle screen. And then he finds Miko Hartman on Corndog for the touchdown. So on the final drive, that is a scramble for a first down conversion, a completion for a first down conversion on third down, and a fourth and six conversion 
where he, or sorry, a fourth and one conversion where he's the runner. That was Patrick Mahomes in the biggest moment of his career. And that is Patrick Mahomes in every other big moment of his career. The inevitability of him is stunning. And to execute this consistently on this stage is Brady-esque, Jordan-esque, and I don't know how many others fit that bill. Um, Despite his reputation, LeBron is pretty damn close to having that, where it just seems like, especially recently, um, in this back half of his career, once he broke the seal on his championships, he's always up for the moment. Now, he's lost some championship games, but I mean, he's lost some championship series where he's been the best player on the floor. He does not come up short. He has been a part of the team that is not the Golden State Warriors. But Steph has gotten to this level where in the biggest playoff moments, he has also been able to to figure out how to be that guy. Um, there, there's just an inevitability to Mahomes in the absolute biggest moment where he's calm. He gives that little like, hey, give me the play. All right, I, I in completion or on other drives, not that one. Um, just come on, give me the play. Let's go. What's next? And that confidence is irreplaceable. It is it is truly remarkable and, and something that, you know, we talk about the analytics and we talk about, you know, feelings and, and emotion. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, like psychology is extra- extraordinarily powerful. And there is extensive research on what confidence does for people, what belief does for people, what hope does for people. And if Mahomes is your quarterback, you have the ultimate confidence. You have the ultimate hope. because And, and it's just going to cause everyone to execute better. And seeing him execute that final drive to literal perfection is just truly remarkable. It is what makes him him. And there, there is not enough praise in the Like, there's not a thing you could say about Patrick Mahomes that isn't true in terms of heaping praise. And that includes that he's the greatest of all time. Now, I don't. Th- I guess the one thing you'd have to hold on, and this is a matter of longevity because he is only 28, is that he has not had the career that Montana had, that Brady had, that some others, but really if you look at it statistically, it's pretty much those two, have had in terms of longevity of success. But in terms of peak of his powers, in terms of winning efficiency, he's the best to ever do it. And that includes Brady. And I realize that that efficiency is probably going to drop. Brady started as hot as Mahomes did and then ultimately has a 10-year gap between going on another run like what Patrick just did. So this is, again, I'm not saying that that Mahomes has already passed Brady. What I would tell you is that if I had to take either one to win a game, I'd take Mahomes, and I know how freaking good Brady is. Number two. When you talk about the legacy for Mahomes, uh, I already touched on some of this, but there's actually more, which is crazy. So Mahomes has made, in the six years that he has been a starting quarterback, he's made four Super Bowls. It's worth mentioning that he would have made a fifth if D. Ford hadn't lined up offsides. That's how close he was to being that much closer to perfect. Uh, In the Super Bowls, the only one that he has lost, he's now won three of the four that he has made, was to Tom Brady, and it happened in a game where Mahomes uh, didn't get a whole lot of help. He was fantastic uh, in that game, made a bunch of plays, had some iconic moments. Remember the one play where he throws a 50-yard ball in the air as he's falling, his knuckles pretty much scrape the ground, and in between multiple defenders, it hits Tyreek Hill into the face mask. That's Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. 
Uh, Patrick Mahomes now is tied. is no longer tied. He is in sole possession, third place all time in playoff wins. He has more playoff wins than Peyton Manning and everybody else, not named Joe Montana, who he is one away from. One, one away from Montana, and then Brady, who's in a whole class by himself. Again, the greatness times the longevity there is pretty much unmatched. Um, but there are. 15, I, there's actually really 14, um, I believe, because I, I looked, I was looking at the stats yesterday, and there's like one quarterback who made the list, but it looked like he was a backup. He only had like one passing attempt, but he had uh, nine play, or 10 playoff wins. So 14 to 15, according to Stat Muse, uh, quarterbacks who have 10 or more playoff wins. So if you have nine, you're tied for 15. Patrick Mahomes now has nine playoff wins when he's trailing by seven or more points at some point in the game. Do you realize how absurd that is? He was eight and two going into yesterday. He's now nine and two. Eleven times Patrick Mahomes has been down by a touchdown or more in the playoffs. And he has won nine of those games. And if you just counted them, he would be top 20 all time in quarterback playoff wins. That is stupid. And that is his reality. That is how good this dude is. And again, the consistency of greatness, the consistency of winning in the playoffs. And I think here's one thing that I will say. Again, I'm not trying to diminish Brady. Brady's the GOAT. Like, put the package together. Peak greatness is right there with Mahomes. I would take Mahomes, but Brady, like, it's a 1A, 1B situation. They do it very differently. But damn it, they got it done. And then the longevity of Brady is just unmatched in a way that like, it's it's a LeBron versus Jordan argument. Kind of LeBron is Brady, Jordan is Mahomes, if you will. Um, I think that's actually, maybe that's even a better comparison than I realized the more I think about it. We'll maybe revisit that later in the week. But the point is, like, Brady early in his career kind of relied on the defense and actually wasn't that spectacular. Also, the game, the style of the game was different. It wasn't as quarterback driven as it is now. Mahomes is the reason they are winning these games. Now, they this season is different for the Chiefs in a way that we'll talk about in terms of their defense in a moment. But it is like the, the, the significance, the weight of Mahomes' impact on these games where he is the reason they win, the driving force of greatness is just... I think it's pretty much unmatched in NFL history. And I was rooting for San Francisco. I wanted them to win. Um, but am I going to enjoy the greatness that is right in front of me? Yeah. Yeah, I am. Because what an idiot I would be as a fan of this game if I didn't. That's uh, that's where we start first and 10. Two thoughts on Mahomes. We'll get to the others, including some thoughts on his number one target, some thoughts on this defense, some thoughts on Kyle Shanahan and his decision-making next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. A little bit later this hour, Eric Black from WUSA 9 on the latest with Monumental. I think we're going to shift him back from 4.30 to 4.45 as he's got TV duty, uh, you know, the job that pays him. Uh, we're just very happy to have Eric come on with us as a guest on the phone. Uh, but his live shot 
uh, is getting pushed back a little bit in WSA 9's newscast. So uh, we will talk to Eric when he is done on television, taking a break between live shots on television on big news that Monumental's plan has been shot down in the Senate to relocate to Virginia. Now, this doesn't mean it's dead, but what does it mean? Eric will tell us coming up in just a little bit. Continuing on now, though, with our final first and 10 of the year, Super Bowl edition, 10 thoughts. Our first two were on Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Number three is going to be about his number one target. Number three. Travis Kelsey feels as inevitable as Mahomes in some ways. His first half last night was not very good. One catch, one bump of his coach, which I don't think was actually that big of a deal. I know it looked really bad, but I, I if I'm being honest, I don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, something that happens occasionally with competitors and Mahomes and or, uh, Reed and Kelsey have a ton of respect for each other. Anyway, point is, uh, one, one, one bump of his coach, one target, one catch, one yard. And I eventually just, I get halftime and early in that third quarter as they started getting involved, I was like, I feel like they went in at halftime and went, all right, let's get back to what we do. This isn't working. Whatever our game plan was, just new game plan, fine 87. And damn, does he deliver. I mean, his highest recorded speed in years, literally like six or seven years was on that final play of regulation where he destroyed that San Francisco safety. He caught that crossing route, got upfield. I was like, oh my God, is he about to complete this fairy tale of his and score the game-winning touchdown as time expires? No, he gets tackled out of bounds, dislocating the shoulder. Uh, It felt like, uh, I don't know what actually wound up happening to Brown, the safety from the 49ers, but yikes, man. Uh, But big play after big play, has the big catch to set up the game-winning touchdown. I mean... That dude is, uh, again, it's the consistency over time versus the peak greatness. If I had to pick one tight end for one game, I'd probably still pick Gronk. But you tell me I got three seasons to fill, I'm picking Kelsey. Like, his consistency is remarkable, and his high level is remarkable, and his ability to focus. And apparently he gave a tremendous speech Saturday night. And the fun he has after singing Viva Las Vegas, like, what a delight. Um, I know a lot of people are not liking him right now for a variety of reasons. I'll choose to enjoy the greatness. I'll choose to enjoy him being fun. And I'll choose to enjoy the fact that he seems to have the right attitude about all of it um, from the competitiveness and and how bad he wants it to how how he competes in the game to the way he's handled the fame, his relationship, having fun with it, but in a way that's respectful. Like, I know some people don't like it because whatever. I, I thoroughly enjoy the Travis Kelsey experience in all ways. And um, I'm very excited for his podcast this week, to say the least. Number four. Number four, though, is the guy that probably could have limited him. I don't know that we'll ever be able to properly put into the context the loss of Dre Greenlaw in this game. What a terrible, within the football context, tragedy that happened running onto the field, blow your Achilles. You're not only out for the Super Bowl, but probably a ton of next year. But Jesus, man, you're out for the Super Bowl in a freak accident where you're just running on the field and your cleat, whatever it is, gets caught in a bad way, the right amount of pressure, and goodbye to the Achilles. And he, not only is he a great player, but there is a heart and soul element to him, a physicality that he brings that was gone when he was gone. And... In that second half, especially, the Chiefs started to pick on his backup. So it was a play thing, but also the physicality and kind of the 
the maniacal way that Dre Greenlaw plays was there in that first quarter, and you're like, man, I don't know if Kansas City's got the answers to this. If they can get their offense going, it's going to be a Niners win. All of a sudden, he's out. Would Kansas City have found a way to, to get some productivity? Of course, they're them. But hard to overstate how big of a loss Dre Greenlaw is within that game. And especially when it happens in the game, right? Because that means the his backup Burks didn't get a ton of reps in terms of practice and things like that. You don't prepare for like you do prepare, but you don't. It'd be different if you lost him in the AFC or the NFC Championship game, and Burks was was there and they had a plan. But now San Francisco's got to adjust, and if they could have just stuck with what they were doing, what they were doing was damn. Effective. Number five. Number five. All right, let's let's talk about it. Kyle Shanahan. Um, there's one decision that I didn't like from him in this game and one decision that I don't mind. And I will admit, I second-guessed the one I don't mind last night on Twitter. You might have seen me say, why would you not take the ball first in or second in overtime? What is San Francisco doing? And I heard Kyle talk about it after the game, and I've heard some analytics folks talk about it. And I would still make the opposite decision, but it is basically 50-50. Whether you take the ball first and then you have the chance to dictate terms and if the other team matches, you get the ball third, a.k.a. the first time that it's truly sudden death versus what what Kansas City, I think, would have done, which is we're going to take this game sudden death no matter what. We're going to know what we need. If we just need a field goal, great. If we need a touchdown, okay. If we need a touchdown because they got a touchdown, we're going to go for two and there is no going to be no third possession no matter what. That's the route I would go. I would do that second. But there's a lot of risk there. That is a high-risk proposition. And to be able to say, like, we're going to go out there. We're going to trust our defense. We're going to see what we can do on offense. I understand it. What I don't understand is the first three possessions of the second half not running Christian McCaffrey more. And I know Kansas City's defense is really good. I understand what Kyle was doing to an extent. He was trying to break a tendency of being run first. Their running game wasn't particularly effective. They had a couple of nice runs, but a lot of short gains, which was leaving them on average like third and 12. It was nuts. Like their first six or seven third downs of the game, the literal average third down length was third and 12. Kansas City's defense was playing out of its mind. So you try to hit some passes on first and second down. You try to hit some play actions and give Brock Purdy some easier looks to throw into as opposed to these exotic Steve Spagnola third and long blitzes, which did have a really nice effect in the game. I understand it. I think he overdid it. It's not coaching malpractice. It is a mistake. I think that this isn't like Kyle choking or coming up short or I don't think the magnitude of the mistake is as big as maybe his game plan versus the Patriots in the 28-3 game. But it's definitely not ideal. But I also would remind people the biggest reason why the San Francisco 49ers are in the Super Bowl and are competitive and are in overtime is Kyle Shanahan. That, he to me, is the best coach in the league. That didn't change yesterday, even if I didn't love everything that he did. And maybe some of the things where he can still get better did come up. But week in, week out, design, implementation, everything, I still think he's the best coach in the league. That probably pisses some people off. I don't know what to tell you. It's my my opinion. Number six. The biggest mistake the San Francisco 49ers have made in an organization, though, is they drafted a kicker in the fourth round. 
Jake Moody's the difference in the game, and I hate to put it, like, one of the differences. There, now I haven't put it all on this kid. Who's out there trying his best? It's not his fault they drafted him in the fourth round. But Jesus, man, you draft a kicker in the fourth round, he better be nails. That dude better be Sebastian Janikowski. That dude, and who I realized was a first-rounder, but, like, that dude better be Adam Vinatieri. That dude better be Harrison Butker in 2023, the kicker on the other side. Instead, Moody's been upside down, you know, all year, hasn't been consistent, hasn't been reliable, and he, on his own, gets an extra point blocked with an, an a low-line drive that he pulls. I think what you see on the 57-yarder from Butker is a low-line drive through the middle, so that ball gets out clean over the snapper because that's not where the, the dudes are. I mean, Moody pushes it right into the, the hands of the blockers, right into a sea of hands, low, on unnecessarily on a line drive. And think of how much how different that fourth quarter is if that kick is made. Because now the strategy changed. Going forward on fourth down versus not. You know, field goal versus needing a touchdown and, and how San Francisco plays it with a lead versus not. There's so much that changes on that extra point. And I know there's other stuff in the game, but that is such a big play. And the fact that it happens on a guy who's so tremendously overdrafted to me is like the just a ridiculous failure by an otherwise brilliant and excellent and even model San Francisco franchise. And there is incredible irony Perhaps it's not even irony. Perhaps it is direct cause and effect that that one unbelievably silly decision comes back and bites them in their biggest game. Number seven. All right, quickly flowing through the rest, which we'll get back to some of this stuff later. Just time is running short. Steve Spagnola might be the best big game defensive coordinator ever. What he did with the Giants back in the day, beating Brady, uh, what he's done with Kansas City. Um, he's got more rings now as a coordinator than anyone else in the history of the league, which makes sense because kind of the, the trajectory of his career. We talked about it with Graziano last week on Radio Row, that because he's in his 60s now, he's probably not getting another head coaching chance. He's just kind of stuck as a coordinator, um, but he's clearly a tremendous, tremendous defensive coordinator where a lot of other guys that have won multiple rings as coordinators ultimately get head coaching jobs. I mean, he his game plan was exceptional. His blitz package was incredible. And the the level that those guys play at, the the how well they are taught is just sensational. Which leads us to number eight. Something I mentioned earlier. The first and second down dominance is why San Francisco's three of whatever they were, 12, I think, on third down. Everyone wants to make it about the third down stat. Look at first and second down. The best way to be good on third down is to either avoid it altogether by getting a first down on first and second down or leave yourself third and short. And San Francisco was in a ton of third and longs, a ton of can't win situations. And then Spagnola dials up really good blitzes. And again, the level of detail, just one example, it was that McDuffie blitz where he comes inside. How often do we see that corner come around the outside and not get home? No, instead, they send the edge wide and loop McDuffie around inside, and he's got a direct shorter line to the quarterback. Those details are what make great blitzes, and they were on it yesterday for San Francisco, or for Kansas City and Spags. Number nine. Uh, number nine, speaking of McDuffie, speaking of Legereus Sneed, that is the best 
cornerback duo in the league. And that wasn't the case going into the year. The job that that staff has done, I forgot their DB's coach's name. I'm sorry, but he deserves credit. So everyone go Google his name and then give him a round of applause. What they've done, some high picks, but some lower picks as well. Draft draft by identifying the right traits for your system and scheme. Develop those things, what you want. Give guys clear instruction. Teach up the technique. They've done everything right. What a job by those two DBs who were sensational yesterday. And hats off to their coaches for putting them in that position. And then last but not least, a thought that we will chase for the rest of the week. Number 10. Mahomes is one of one. You get one per generation. Brady was the last generation. Mahomes is this guy's generation. And maybe you're lucky enough if you are a Joe Burrow or a Lamar Jackson or a Josh Allen or, you know, pick a quarterback who's actually beaten him in a Super Bowl. Like, maybe you get lucky enough to get one within it. Or if you're Peyton Manning and Brady's generation, you get get a couple, right? But I think the question you have to ask if you're a team like Washington with the number two pick is, is Mahomes worth chasing? Is it worth just throwing it to the wall and saying, let's see if we can get the next one, knowing there's only one, knowing that even if you get Joe Burrow, he's not Mahomes. Even if you get Lamar Jackson, he's not Mahomes. I think you have to try, but I also, there's part of me that wonders, is is chasing what San Francisco's doing actually a, a better plan? Now, it hasn't paid off in Super Bowls yet, but it, do you give yourself a better chance? or And maybe it's a chance at high-profile losses. But, damn. Like, it is it is a pretty fascinating roster-building discussion. And I know the day after the Super Bowl where Mahomes is Mahomes. You know, MVP, again, it seems so obvious. But I, I, I just, I open with Mahomes, I close with Mahomes to, to say this. He's the only one. He is one of one. And maybe Caleb Williams is that guy. Maybe Jaden Daniels is that guy. Maybe Drake May is that guy. And if so, you get the next one, well, shoot, now you're set. But, but, damn, that's hard to find. And it feels like building up a bunch of other positions might be a little bit easier. And you hope that you catch you catch Mahomes in a in-between cycle where they have to build up the roster post-Kelsey, etc. But we'll see what the next decade of NFL football holds. That's three for Patty Mahomes. That's first and 10 for us. When we get back, uh, a couple of other thoughts on the game. And then Eric Flack joins us to close out the hour. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app with a singing super producer, Anthony Haney. We'll be joined by Eric Flack here in just a few minutes. And uh, Post Malone, uh, not a part of halftime, was there yesterday. You see him wearing his Cowboys uh, jacket in the stands? Yeah, I saw him wearing it uh, during the game, but after the game, did you see what he was wearing? Well, I'm, I'm seeing a video right now. That's why I'm bringing it up. Uh, so at the Chiefs after party, of which there are hilarious, hilarious multiple things that happen. Uh, Brittany Mahomes, Patrick's wife, uh, basically takes the jacket from, like, take unbuttons it. It's like, no, you're not wearing this. And takes it off and gives him a Chiefs jacket. And Post Malone's like, one, you get one song. You get one song. I'm performing at your party, but you get one song in this, in this Chiefs jacket. Um, I do think my favorite video from the post game is 
whatever club they're at in Las Vegas, uh, and Marshmallow is DJing. Have you seen this video? Dog, you talking about <laughs> where they talk about how Travis Kelsey spent uh, partying last night and how Jason Kelsey spent. So Travis, and it's funny because Rachel, Rachel's definitely not a Swifty. So I start telling her about this and her eyes start rolling back like, what are you telling me this? I, I'm, I don't care. Which again, my whole take on this is simple. Um, if you don't like it, just keep moving. And that's kind of how we do it. We just keep on moving because it's, like, it's not for me, which I will say, well, let me just tell one story at a time. So I start telling her about this and I'm like, no, no, no. It's not about the fact that uh, one of Taylor Swift's songs is playing, Marshmallow, uh, the DJ uh, who, who wears a giant marshmallow on his head. Uh, he He's playing like a, I think it's a love story remix and Travis and Taylor are being all cutesy. There's some smooches happening. They're singing to each other. It's adorable if you're into that kind of thing. And the camera pans to Jason. And Jason is wearing like what I would call like a 1990s wrestling mask. He's Fair? wearing yeah, like the Rey Mysterio kind yeah, of mask. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Rey Mysterio mask, but it's it's Chiefs colored. He's got his Chiefs shirt on, and he is just full Jersey Shore fist pumping raging raging <laughs> and the you need the Travis and Taylor to fully appreciate the Jason like it's just it's not like it's awesome but it's not nearly as funny if you don't get the 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 Travis Taylor part first yeah i agree um so what's happening though is i'm in on all of the Jason videos and my algorithms don't know the difference so I am getting inundated with Taylor Travis stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I want the ones with Jason in it. And the algorithm can't figure it out. So both my Twitter algorithm and my Instagram algorithm are just a lot of Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey content. Mm -hmm. And as long as it eventually pans to Jason, I'm cool with it. If not, I'm like, all right, no, not that one. Give me the Jason. That dude is having a blast. Yeah, he is, man. I'm here for all of the Jason Kelsey content. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Come back. Eric Flack uh, set to join us on all things this massive ma breaking news day on Monumental Sports. How much trouble are they in and their plan to move to Virginia? It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app where Anthony is reliving halftime one song at a time, which, you know, honestly is fine with me. Uh, we got that. We also had the announcement that there's new Beyonce music. So that was really, honestly, a great musical Super Bowl. However, there is actual news and business to get to. Uh, and for that, we bring in our good buddy Eric Flack of WUSA 9. Uh, covers many different things as one of their lead investigative reporters. And uh, specifically gets uh, a lot of stadium intel and information. We've had him on a bunch to talk about the Commander Stadium pursued. But today, Eric, we are talking about the other biggest teams in town. And that would be the Capitals and the Wizards. Because the Virginia State Senate refused to take up a bill in the Finance Committee to say like, hey, we're, we're, we'll look at this, this whole move to Potomac Yards thing. And I guess the, the big question is like, how significant of a hit is this to, uh, to Ted Leonsis and what he wants to do? Like, are, are, is this still on? I guess would be the big like overall overarching yes, no uh, kind, of, kind of wall that we're leaning one side or the other on here. Craig, the answer is yes, it's significant. 
um, no, the deal is not dead. Okay. Um, it's, of course, significant that the Senate Finance Committee won't even consider the bill, won't even talk about it right now, because there is so much mounting opposition against it. Um, you know, that's that, that would have to change. I make no mistake about it. That no arena, no Potomac Yard arena can get done if that doesn't change. The Senate would have to it would have to go through the Finance Committee. There is there is a huge funding arm of this that would have to change. Um, Monumental called hastily called a a news conference after all this broke this morning. And they 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 are contending that this is part of the process, that they have strong uh, support in the House of Delegates that they are going to be able to get in front of the, you know, Lucases of the world, who is the chair of, of the Senate Finance Committee, and it has become kind of the face of the opposition of this arena. We're not going to build a billion, same thing that was happening with Dan Snyder. We're not going to build a billionaire's, you know, playground on the backs of taxpayers, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Monumental believes that they're going to be able to get in front of those people and and convince them to to change their mind. Now, how they do that um, is yet to be seen. You can change the framework of the bill. You can reduce the amount of money you're asking for. You can get Glenn Youngkin to uh, repair the damage he uh, made over the weekend um, when he uh, gave a, a partisan speech um, that really called out Democrats, the same Democrats he needs to work with him on this arena. So it's probably a huge tactical mistake by 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 Youngkin. Um, and and the Democrats also feel like, you know, that he has not done enough to negotiate with them. You know, this is a huge investment in northern Virginia. Virginia is a big state and it's not all as rich as northern Virginia is. And there are um politicians and constituents um, who, who, who do not um, want to send that much money to, to Alexandria and Fairfax County without saying, what are you doing for us? What are you doing, you know, uh, for our, uh, you know, constituents? What are you doing for these other, other parts of the state? So it's a, it's a huge blow. Um, but, you know, now it's up to Monumental to see if they can put this deal back together. So I guess there's so much to talk about here. Um, The first thing I would ask is, is this purely about the money? I mean, obviously, today's news is about the money, right? Because you have Mm -hmm. the finance committee refusing to take this up. But there's also all of these questions about the actual infrastructure and the metro needing to be redone and the, the traffic around National Airport. How much of the objections here are substantive non-financial versus just what you kind of where you ended there of saying this is about the money that would be going from Virginia taxpayers to Northern Virginia slash into Ted Leonsis's pockets. I, I think there's concerns about everything. I think there is a growing belief. Everybody's just kind of still digesting this. And I think the further and further we get away from that announcement, people really feel like and politicians really feel like Youngkin sprung this on them, that he did not do enough uh, outreach um, with Leonsis to get a broad coalition to come together 
to to support this plan before introducing it. And so I, I, it's easy to talk about the money, but I think there's politics involved here. Again, I think when Youngkin gives a very partisan speech over the weekend, Democrats are like, whoa, 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 you, you, we're supposed to be working together. You need our help on this deal. And here you are calling us out and, you know, um, you know, casting, throwing stones at us. This, this, that's not going to work. So then you get to fall back on the traffic um, all, all the other issues. Um, but, you know, like, does, does, does Senator Lucas from, you know, Portsmouth or whatever care that, that, that there's going to be increased congestion in, in and around Alexandria and, and that the Metro is all screwed up? Like, I, I don't see them giving um, a, a darn about, uh, you know, things like traffic because it doesn't really affect them. That's really a local problem. I, I do think it's about, you know, the fact that there has not been enough done to prove that this huge investment is going to help the entire state of Virginia. And the legislature represents the entire state of Virginia. It's not the Northern Virginia state legislature. It is the Virginia state legislature. And I think they thought that they would finally have a plan with an owner who wasn't as objectionable as Dan Snyder to bring professional sports to Northern Virginia. And I think they thought it was going to be a slam dunk, pun pun intended. And I think they're now finding out that they were wrong and that they miscalculated. No, they've now missed an empty netter or something. I I don't know. My hockey analogies (laughs) are not as strong, and I felt like we needed to represent everyone. Uh, Eric Flack is with us from WUSA 9 here on the Hoffman Show. Because, uh, Eric, the reason I ask that, too, is because, and I would highly recommend um, to p- folks, if they want even more on this, our time with Eric is going to be a little bit shorter, probably, because he's got to get back on television uh, at shortly after the top of the hour. Um, but I, you did a great job earlier talking with Grant and Danny about some of the details. So I'm, I'm essentially trying to follow up on some of the thoughts that I had on that. So I'd, I'd recommend anyone checking the G&D podcast feed for for some more details on this. But There's kind of two battles that are going on here, right? You have the money and then you have kind of the permission to do this. And it seems like Leonsis and Yunkin had this big event with the idea that they would have both. It seems like if the problems truly are financial, those can get worked out because that's politics. You follow the money and eventually people get what they want out of it. Um, and they can wring some money out for their part of the state or they can convince their constituents that there is you know, this, the, the funding that will come out of the tax revenue from this, that, or the other special tax district can funnel through to them. And it's actually a win. Uh, even if you have to pay some money up front, it's an investment, but some of these other things I feel like are more substantive hurdles, but it does sound like there, maybe the money is really that. And, and maybe some of the economists who have been screaming for years that stadiums actually aren't a good investment of public money are being listened to here. So where are where is the opposition coming from uh, in terms of the arguments they're making and how easy is it going to be over, to overcome that with just some more money for them? Well, I mean, I think that argument is always going to resonate, especially with um, uh, taxpayers. And, you know, you have a situation where Josh Harris, owner of the Commanders, obviously, who also owns the Philadelphia 76ers, is trying to build an arena in downtown Philadelphia. 
And he has made a pledge, no cost to Philly taxpayers. He has said, we are going to shoulder the burden for that. Now, we've asked him about a commander stadium, uh, and, he, and he said, you know, we can't promise that here because football stadiums are much bigger than basketball arenas. But we're rich, basically, and we're going to try to shoulder the burden as much as we can. And, and I think when you get to a guy like Ted Leonsis, who's basically asking the state of Virginia to take out what is going to amount to a $2.8 billion loan when it all gets paid back to give him a new arena. People are like, what are you, how, how is that right? How is that possible? So I think they kind of go hand in hand. I know, I know what the question is. Like, is it really the, the fact that, that they haven't done enough to, to sweeten the pot? for different parts of the state, or, or is it really uh, about the money? But I think it's both. I think, I think it's, they've given these legislators, these lawmakers in the rest of the state, nothing to go back to, to their hometowns with. Like, hey, yes, they're building that up here, but you know what it means for you? It means your, your tolls are going to be lower. It means we're going to get that new bridge. It means we're going to, you know, have a new hospital. It, it's, and, and so that, you know, giving that to the lawmakers in different parts of the state helps them justify the money, helps them say, OK, yeah, we're doing this. And, yeah, he is a billionaire. And, yeah, we are taking out a huge loan for him. And, yeah, he's going to win. But we're all going to win. And I, if they can't do a better job of, of justifying how this is a win for all of Virginia, other than we finally have pro sports, I think they're going to have a really tough time turning this around, um, especially in the Senate. Uh, last thing for Eric Flack. Uh, did they count the, their chickens before they hatch? Because you've also got Bowser writing the op-ed in the Washington Post and making legal threats. I know Monumental is saying, like, we've got lawyers too. We can, we'll, we'll be able to fight this. But there is a tight timeline here. Like, they've got to get started if they want this thing done by 2028. Like, did Leonsis and, to an extent, Youngkin really make a mistake here in how they presented this, even if it ultimately winds up with them in Virginia? There is no doubt they miscalculated. There is no doubt that they did a poor job of organizing a broad coalition before going public with this. Nobody and no lawmaker hates anything more than making it look like they were in the dark like they are not in the room um, where the decisions are being made, that things are going on above their head. So they absolutely did all of those things because if they, had, if they hadn't gotten ahead of themselves, they wouldn't be where they are today, which is one of the two bodies of, 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 the, of the legislature they need to approve this deal saying not on our watch. Um, and, you know, the, that's, that's a, just a miscalculation. There's no other way to say it. Um, and, and there's no other uh, way to size it up. Um, but, but the question now is, you know, can they retroactively fix the mistakes of the recent past and, and put this deal back together? Because Monumental says there's no plan B. There's not even a plan A because there's only one plan. And it's to move to Northern Virginia. They're not thinking about Capital One. They're not talking about if it doesn't happen. Well, we'll we'll work with the mayor. 
that's not something that they are even considering, at least publicly. This is the only plan. So they got all their eggs in this basket, and they're going to have to figure out how to how to put some of these broken eggs back together. Yeah, my my other question is why? Like, why did they? This, this is so embarrassing for them, and po- potentially like cataclysmic in terms of outcomes. Why did they get ahead of it when they could have just stayed quiet and actually gotten the work done before being like, "Hey guys, we got a thing." But I guess we'll. Uh, that's that's part of the investigation ongoing. If there was other stuff happening, uh, if there's investigating to be done, Eric Flack is going to be there to do it. Uh, you can watch him on WUSA nine. Uh, Eric, thank you so much for your time as always, sir. And we'll be watching you on television here shortly. Appreciate it, Greg. Craig, see you soon. Absolutely, bye, buddy. Bye. Have a good one. That's Eric Flack with us here on the Hoffman Show. When we get back, uh, Michael Phillips, we were going to talk to him about the Super Bowl, but I guarantee you he's got insight on this. Uh, Phillips, obviously, for years with the Richmond Times Dispatch, now hosting on 910 The Fan down in uh, Richmond. He is so plugged in to all stadium things. So we'll continue this conversation with Phillips next. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Scheduled here to catch up with Michael Phillips. Uh, Going to check and make sure he's still good to go. Um, and if we catch up with Michael in at 515, that's perfectly okay. I want to talk more about this monumental thing, though, real quick. Um, because I am still of the belief that this thing is a 50-50 shot of happening. Um and I would say it's less than 50-50 of going, of happening on time. And that's not, I don't have any reporting on this. Um, so I realize like I've just undercut my own, uh, I don't want to say credibility because I'm telling you like what I know and what I don't. But part of what I know is math and timelines and chronology. The year is 20, uh, oh, apparently we don't have Phillips. Did you, Anthony, did you uh, check in with him? Uh, today? I did not. I thought you... Did. Should we go to the tape? Oh, this is about to be a fine for Anthony. Oh, man. Oh, good. Thanks, man. I'm going to tell Phillips, and then we're going to go to the tape. So this morning, uh, I said, let's grab Phillips one last time. Other than that, TBD, as we were talking about the rundown early. Uh... And then you replied, did you reach out to him already? And I said, not yet. <laughs> ah, where is the marker? Uh, the, the good news, Anthony, I think for you is that the marker is dead. And I think I threw it out. So I got to get a new dry erase marker. But you, sir... That little that little spot right there. Yeah, you see where the marker was dying as I marked up your fine points? That's gonna get filled in with five. And I think that's a fifteen. I think that's a fifteen. Not confirming with the guests you asked about. You usually like nine times out of ten, you usually check in with Phillips. That's why I had asked if you had already reached out. But yeah. I mean, I, I'll tell you what, that's a 10 because I did say not yet, which does imply that I could, but also was meant to say like, no, I have not. You should do it. But you were asking about it in the way that's like, should I do this? So I'm going to say that's not a 50. In fact, you know what? 
I'll do this. I will reduce the fine to five. However, that does bonk it out where it looks like we might be getting lunch this week. Well, and, there it is. And a historic, lopsided uh, payment. That is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight times five is 40 for me. That is a 60-40 split for young Anthony Haney to have to buy lunch. I think we've had one of these before. I think actually it was like 70-30 one time. It's a story because it's the first time you have to pay more. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, that's fair. But I do I do think you're correct. I do think the first one I had to pay a lot. <laughs> um, so what day do you want to do lunch this week? We could do it. We have our meeting with CK on Wednesday. Do you want to just purchase food? before or after that yeah that's cool all right wednesday it is all right so you what'd you have for lunch today by the way you were carrying around a whole plate um so i had some food from my uh super bowl party yeah they were begging us to uh take food i didn't really want to take food but they begged us to so i had some uh spinach dip uh i had some pasta some chicken solid i had some leftover mac and cheese and some leftover turkey burger sliders very good. Excellent stuff. All right, so now that we've gotten that straightened out, we're not going to have Michael Phillips. Let's do this um, as, instead of rushing right now because it's almost time to break anyway. I'm going to break a little bit early. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk more about this monumental uh, thing. And then coming up at 530, uh, NFL year in review. Uh, we have all of our picks from the beginning of the year, teams that would win, players that would win awards. We'll go through it. We'll get back. Anthony's got some strong takes on the Super Bowl. We'll get to those. Plenty still to come here on The Hoffman Show. Has the internet broken yet? I think so. Beyonce? Country album? The, the hints have been there. By the way, our early prediction, getting this on the record now, uh, the Hoffman household prediction is that Act 3 of Renaissance, so Act 1 was the house album. Act 2 is now this country album coming March 29th from Beyonce. Act 3 will be a rock album. Rock? Okay. Think about it. What has she done? She has taken traditionally black genres that have been dominated in recent years by white artists, and she has reclaimed them. And she has done so by having samples and writing, et cetera, for some of the lost legends of the genre. So, I mean, Beyonce's from Houston. It makes a lot of sense. She also can do anything because she's her. So rock would be the logical third act. Okay. Just say it. Putting that on the record. I, I can uh, pick up what you're putting down. All right. So we'll see that so probably sometime in 2025. Uh, anyway, right now on a uh, more uh, on topic in terms of this sports radio show uh, topic, not uh, if you missed it, Beyonce uh, Verizon commercial last night. Have I broken the internet? And it announces new music. Uh, a country album that's coming out in March. But much closer to home, much more on the sports front. Monumental Sports took a big blow today. And I would say since the announcement that they are headed to Virginia in uh, late last year, that that was their plan, they have taken nothing but blows to that plan. That does not mean that plan is dead. That does not mean that they are not going to Virginia. That does not mean that it will ultimately get across the finish line. But there is a lot that is happening right now, and a lot that still has to be done for this to happen. The latest happens today uh, when the Senate 
of Virginia, the state Senate, announces that they are not going to take up in the Finance Committee, and thus they can't get it to the full Senate, the bill that Glenn Youngkin wanted to see happen to propose the financing for the $2 billion that the Commonwealth ultimately will give or will, will loan, we'll say, to Ted Leonsis and Monumental to build this stadium. The way these things work on the most baseline of levels is that the AAA rating of a city like D.C., who has that, or a state like Virginia allows them to get bonds that a private business person or a private business, Leonsis or Monumental, could not get. Uh, they get all of that money, and then ultimately they will hopefully pay it back, or some of they pay some of it back, however the agreement is structured. Now, it's important to say on the front end here, this thing is not dead because there is a version of this that will go through the House, and then the hope is they can negotiate off that version, but the Senate right now would not support it. So this comes on the heels of multiple things. First and foremost, I think the backlash has been pretty significant, not just from D.C. folks who are mad, but from Virginians themselves, both downstate in the Commonwealth, where it is an enormous state with tremendous uh, variety in terms of wants, needs, desires, hopes, wishes, dreams of things that politicians can get done from bridges and roads to education funding to uh, things to fight crime or, 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 you know, public safety funding to all the other things that are subsidies for farmers. Like everything is in play at a state in a state like Virginia because it is so varied in who lives there and what types of areas a variety of House and senators or House members and senators serve. Uh, you have people serving extremely rural areas, suburban areas and urban areas all coming together to try to fight for their piece of the pie. And to see $2 billion go to Northern Virginia because they can get the D.C. sports teams there and finally have pro sports teams in the state is not something that a lot of people downstate are super psyched about in terms of use of funds. So that is kind of the base undertones in terms of Virginia and on a statewide level, there is also the local neighborhood folks who are like, I don't want this. And then you also have the reality of the crossover with D.C. and to an extent Maryland, where if you're going to mess over the traffic around Reagan Airport, around D.C.A., around National, like that's a huge regional issue. Like that is not something to be to be pushed over. And we talked about that on the day that happened with uh, the traffic reporter from NBC4 talking about the the real issues that are at play here with Metro and with, with car traffic if this Potomac Yard situation comes through. There is also what I would call run-of-the-mill silly politics. Some of it is actually silly and is just posturing. Some of it is substantive. Um, I would say the run-of-the-mill but somewhat silly politics is... The idea that this is happening because Glenn Youngkin gave a speech this weekend. Now, political speeches can say all kinds of things. This is by no means an endorsement of what Glenn Youngkin said. But I do think that the Democrats in the Virginia State Senate who are saying, you're being mean to us. And Youngkin, the stuff Youngkin said is ridiculous, in, in my opinion. I'm not going to get too deep into it, but like... 
I get why they're upset. Um, and I get why you wouldn't want to work with someone who says these things. But that's the job. The job is to be able to tell your story about the other side and then go and have a meeting and work with them anyway. Um, but that said, this is not the first time that Virginia State Democrats have kind of, I would say, used some form of political speech, perhaps as a trampoline to get where they wanted to go anyway, which is to vote against it. The substance is there. It is just enhanced. The political speech, first, I can't believe this sentence is about to come out of my mouth and it to be a true thing. But first, by Jack Del Rio... And then by Glenn Youngkin is an excuse, is a launching pad, is a trampoline, is is a door to get to where they wanted to go, which was no in a way that is more political palatable, politically palatable. And in that way, in the same way that Youngkin's speech is politics, so is what they're doing. This is just makes it easier to a certain subset of people to justify something that they wanted to do anyway. This was a door that got opened, and they're thrilled to be able to walk through it. But at the end of the day, those types of things tend to be overcome if there's enough substance to get the deal done. In the case of the Commander Stadium, it wasn't really about Jack Del Rio saying the nonsense he did about January 6th. It was about the fact that you had a bunch of state senators that were like, Daniel Snyder sucks. We don't want to be in business with this guy. This is an excuse out of it. We're done here. We're not going back. We're not doing business with Snyder. And I think for some folks that don't really want to work with Yunkin because they don't trust him, maybe on substance, this is an excuse to be like, I don't want to work with this guy. Or they think it's a bad investment. They don't want to work with Leonsis. They've seen maybe perhaps some of what Leonsis has said in the past couple of weeks and been like, I don't know that I want to be in business with this dude. He doesn't seem to get it. He's surprised by the blowback. Like, come on. If this is if this is this this is your self-awareness, this is your awareness of your place in the world. I don't know that we want to get into business with you because either substantively we don't, or we realize that maybe you're not as bad as Snyder, but a lot of people who are constituents of mine don't really like you. And being on the side of being anti-billionaire is the most popular side a politician can be on in America and certainly in all parts of the Commonwealth. So whatever the reason, whatever the excuse, you now get down to the, the nitty gritty of is there actual substance here that makes it worth it for these politicians to be able to help their constituents or be able to justify to those same constituents a now second change of heart? One of the key people on this is Senator Luis Lucas, who spoke today, uh, this sound courtesy of Matthew Torres, uh, who I believe is one of Eric's colleagues at WUSA 9. And she, he asked her, he, Matthew Torres, asked Senator Luis Lucas, who is from down in the uh, Virginia, uh, Virginia Beach area, uh, her response to if there's anything that can be done to change her mind a second time. And is there anything else that can't be done to get your vote? Probably not, especially since the governor wants to put the full faith and credit of the Commonwealth behind this project, which is a complete and total turnoff for me. I am not going to serve as the chair of finance and appropriation after all these years of waiting to get in that seat to have something like that happen. Just not going to do it. 
So that's sound courtesy of WUSA 9. Um, it, this is the problem. It's just one of them, though. Like, the money is one thing. Because ultimately, what might happen here is they just go, Ted, look, man, you're going to have to pay for either all of this or a lot more than you anticipated. And if the money's there, which they can figure out, money can always be moved around, then the project is on. But I also wonder if when they go to appropriating the land here, if that can get done. Like, do, does Monumental have enough to actually buy it? Can they get the permits to do this because of the overwhelming impact on the region? And again, I'm not even now at this point talking about my biggest gripe with all of this, which is the cultural significance of pulling a basketball team out of the District of Columbia, which to me is preposterously ridiculous. But on a more, on a less uh, cultural, more substantive, practical level, I don't know if they have what it takes here because there is a lot to overcome. And if they've got to pay extra like, how much money does Ted have? How much does he want to sink into it? Especially when Bowser writes this op-ed in the Post over the weekend saying there's going to be a legal battle, which means more money spent on lawyers, and the district is offering $500 million for them to stay and do an $800 million renovation on Capital One and get a lot of what they want in D.C. So it's like you could fight all this stuff and move and get this dream facility that you want and have it cost you a boatload of money or you can stay and work with the city and kind of come crawling back. And what does that mean? I, I, I guess the, the bigger, the, there's so much to unpack here moving forward as different decisions are made, right? There's a lot of, a lot of uh, scripts still unwritten here. The one thing that I think is final is Ted Leonsis's reputation is taken an enormous hit. Um, for years, there was a lot of Capitals and Wizards fans, rightly or wrongly, um, saying that that Ted is lucky that Dan is in town. That Snyder's horribleness in every facet was hiding a lot of bad ownership at Monumental. And to an extent, the same with the Nats, but obviously they were winning a lot. Um, and so, whatever. We don't need to deal with that right now. Point is... Ted can't hide behind Dan anymore. And Ted not only hiding behind is not hiding behind Dan, but has now thrust himself into the spotlight with this. And either he's going to have to play a lot of politics and spend a lot of money to overcome what is happening in Virginia to get it across the finish line and in doing so continue to give the stiff arm to DC and probably not get what he wants in DC. Because it is pretty clear that Bowser is going to fight this till the end of uh, end of of whatever she's can to make it so that Ted doesn't get to keep the arena if he pulls the teams, and that he, he Ted's you know it, it's like they had this grand plan and included a, a revamp of DC and, and their partnership with DC, and they never even ran it by DC. They just told DC what was going to happen, and Bowser's like, that is not how this works, sir. And so you have all of this happening with Virginia where he has taken a hit. DC is like, I hate you. And for a guy who could have gone down 
as someone who revitalized this, you know, the Wizards and did st- smart stuff with hiring Michael Winger and, you know, revitalized downtown and was a part of the solution for an area that a lot of people would love to see thrive. Instead, he's become a villain. And it, that that is what it is. Um, how he overcomes it, can he turn that that narrative again? It's all on the table. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of money. There's a lot of politics to to be played here. But it does feel like the one thing that is for certain right now, you know, for unfortunately, if you're Ted Leonsis, is your reputation is permanently damaged. And it all. I, I think the thing that that bugs me is it all seems so ridiculously avoidable. When we get back, it's. Uh, our year-end around the NFL, if you will. We'll review all of our preseason picks. How did Anthony and I do? That's next on The Hoffman Show. It's The Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Coming up at the top of the hour, more on the Super Bowl. Uh, Right now, though, Anthony, it is time for our... NFL, like Mondays, 5.30, we typically go around the NFL. Uh, so it's time for kind of our year in review around the NFL. Uh, I love also uh, when this happens, when Anthony continues to play the rejoin song, uh, where only he can hear it, and thus we get a free Anthony dance party. Yes. Yes. That was definitely yes. just happening. I don't know, man. Usher still got me hyped from yesterday, man. It was great. It Fantastic, man. I saw someone say Usher was easily the worst part of the halftime show um, in the in the YouTube uh, comments, which I think is kind of funny. I don't think it's correct, but I don't know who was. Like, they were all just kind of exactly. I mean, I guess Alicia Keys was because I guess she missed the first note. They, yeah. They had, they had some sound issues as well. Yeah, that definitely was noticeable for sure. But definitely she was still great. Yes. I think, I think, like, you just get so excited to see everybody. Uh-huh. Luda had the fro out. All the way out. I was like, good gracious. He had the big boots on. Yeah. We had yeah. Usher skating. Yeah, Usher skating. I, I don't know how he does all that he does. Are you a good skater, by the way? I haven't skated in a long time. Oh, but I man. was pretty good as a kid. Okay. I mean, like, I could get around the rink and it was, like, pretty quick, but I wasn't I You wasn't weren't doing... skating backwards. I mean, I could skate backwards. but Really? Like, I could never do it. Yeah. And you just kind of watch enough hockey defensemen and you're like, do what they do. Because your little seven-year-old brain is like monkey see, monkey do. That's how that's how kids' brains work. Their, their learning capacity when you're a child is like off the charts. When when we eventually have kids, we're just gonna like play like sound and stuff in different languages. Like we're we're gonna try to create a genius by age five. Mm. I don't know if Rachel's on board with that yet, but I some baby geniuses. Yeah, we're just gonna be like, ¿Cómo estás? All right, that's good. We got the Spanish. Uh, bien? Okay, we got that. And then, what was that? Et toi. Et toi. Ça va bien? Oui. Ça va bien. Okay, uh, let's get to uh, our Around the NFL season review, Anthony Haney. Um, first first and foremost, uh, we both picked the, the Chiefs in the game, yes? On Friday? Yes, we did. But at the beginning of the year, you had the 49ers, and you did not get that correct. Yep, yeah, well, I uh, things change. They do indeed. Apparently, my wife is listening. Apparently, we're not going to hack parenting and have a genius by age five. There goes my plan. <laughs> Darn it. Okay. Uh, anyway, back to the back to the predictions. 
So you, I had, I had the Niners winning uh, over who? You had the Niners over the Bengals. Yeah, that that died early. Yeah, and I had the uh, the Eagles over the Bills, and yeah, that, that died that died early in the playoffs. Super early. Yeah, first round. Yeah, well, at least both your teams made the playoffs. Yeah, that was that was nice. Um, yeah, I just I by Friday I was just like, you know what, I can't pick against Mahomes. Like even at the 1067 the fan versus the team 98 live event, I was still on the Niners, but I was like, you know what, that's stupid. I'm not picking against Mahomes again, and it turned out to be the right call. Yep. So um, I've already seen odds for 2025 uh, and or slash the 2024 season. Uh, 2025 Super Bowl, which is down in New Orleans. And the Niners are the favorites going into the year. Again? Do you, do you think that they'll make any significant changes? Like, are they going to just keep going with Purdy? Do they try to get a, a – do they try to, like, whether it's go sign Kirk or try to get an upgrade, like a, a more significant upgrade at quarterback? How much of the fault or the blame pie do you give – Purdy for the loss. Very little. Exactly. So I don't think Purdy's the problem. Same. And I saw some quotes from some Chiefs coaches afterwards that were like, that dude ripped apart our zone coverage. Yeah. Um, and he had a really good QBR compared to like everybody else that faces Chiefs defense. This Chiefs defense is real. And he right. had some big plays. One, Some of them got called back, like the big play to Kittle, got called back for holding. Like, But there were also, you know, those plays that, you know, you, you got to make. Granted, there's pressure coming down on you. But those moments right there, those are the, the differences between winning and losing, to be honest. If I'm San Francisco, I merely double down, try to add some more depth. But, like, you're going to get Tafunga back. Yep. You hope to have Greenlaw back by the playoffs next year. Um, Like, I would just I would just keep going and rely on internal development. Yep. I would hope that Jake Moody learns how to get the ball off of his foot this offseason uh, on a more consistent trajectory. If not, I would go find another kicker. Uh competition i might do that anyway even though i was a fourth rounder last year um so yeah like i if i'm san francisco i'm doubling down i'm not panicking i'm just not i agree i'm 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 rolling with purdy i'm rolling with purdy and uh they'll be back they, they will be back but again their window is closing just like the bills i think like josh allen is no longer on his rookie contract anymore so like you got to continue to you know win and capitalize on these moments where you're playing on a, a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you, well, it's that, but it's also, like, if you're as reliant as they are on McCaffrey, right? That, too. You're a running back. Like, when does he hit the wall? When is he no longer McCaffrey? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's something that I would prioritize if I was them this offseason is trying to get – and maybe you just use Elijah Mitchell more, but, like, I would try to get another playmaking running back and take some of the regular season beating off of McCaffrey. Yeah. Because they, like they use him a ton. Sort of like what the Lions do with uh, Montgomery and Gibbs. Like, Gibbs down the line is going to be good because you have Montgomery, you know, to offset all the the, the action that you're getting. They're both 1,000-yard, you know, running backs. So I think um, I think it, I think you're right if they just take a little bit of a load off of McCaffrey. Yeah, make sure that he's fresh for the playoffs. Not that he wasn't. He was still very good. But 30 touches yesterday, Craig. 30. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Super Bowl, though. You right. Go well, like, that's out. the thing. Is I want him. I want 30 touches for him in the Super Bowl. Uh -huh. I don't want 30 touches for him in a random regular season game. Yeah. Because um, I think I'm good enough to win otherwise. And obviously, they'll continue to develop. Maybe you get a, another big play wide receiver, like a more traditional. But, I mean, Jennings has been great for them. 
Debo's Debo. Like, he has his spot. Ayuk is great. They're going to have to pay Ayuk soon. So, like, that's the stuff that starts to happen for them even before you deal with Purdy's contract. Okay. By the way, they're lucky they drafted Purdy. Because if he was an undrafted free agent, uh, this would be the year for him. Yep. They got one more. Uh, all right. Uh, speaking of, of MVP type of stuff, uh, Lamar wins the MVP last Thursday at the NFL Honors. His second, which I believe is something you got correct, Mr. Anthony Haney. It is indeed. I project this was going to be the year Lamar stayed healthy because he could have been in the conversation all those other years, but injuries piled up every year for Lamar. When he's healthy, the Ravens are a danger, I mean, a threat in, in the AFC. So I could see him, you know, being in the conversation again next year. For sure. They definitely will be. We'll see how they, you know, play defensively as it changes uh, on staff. McDonald going out to Seattle, but who did I have as, as MVP? You had Burrow. Burrow. He got hurt. Yeah. Well, I know. think he'll probably be back there if I might I might do something. it again next year. Uh oh, there it is. Running back. We'll see. Uh <laughs> although I think I might also go Mahomes. It feels like he's due for one. And people are gonna be like, Oh, this is the year of Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh you got Lamar right. Yep. Uh neither of us got the Super Bowl right, although I was close. Uh, what else did we have? We had Offensive and Defensive Player of the Year? Yep, I had Offensive Player of the Year, Christian McCaffrey. You had Jamar Chase. Damn. I yeah. really went hard on the Bengals, huh? Yeah, you did. Uh, that did not happen on my end. It did happen on yours. Yes, McCaffrey, Offensive Player of the Year. I just knew, like, building off, when he first got to San Fran, the la- the second part of that season, I just knew this was probably going to be a big year. And we already knew what kind of a player he was. He's had 2,000 all-purpose yards before, and in that offense, it was only right that, you know, they put the team, he put the team on his back. Uh, and then defensive player of the year, who did I have? You had Parsons, but I thought I had Garrett. I had T.J. Watts. Mm. I had T.J. Watts. We both had, had good picks, but it was yeah. not There was, was not top Miles three, Garrett. yeah. Uh, what, rookie of the year? We did rookie of the year. I had C.J. Stroud, and you had B. John Robinson. Ah. <sighs> It was Shroud, right? Who got yeah, it? Yeah, Shroud, Shroud got it. Yeah. Yep. Um, which, as he should have. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I mean, I my pick was rooted in solid logic. I yours, think it was a great pick. Yours, uh, I was like, I feel like that was the one that I was probably the most confident in. Yeah, just because. And then Arthur Smith just didn't use him for yeah, a while. Yeah, it's his fault. Yep. I blame Arthur. I blame Arthur, too. And then uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, guess who we had, correct? We uh, we were stupid enough to pick Emmanuel Forbes. Both of us. (laughs) Will Anderson got that award. Sure did. Sure did. Did we do Comeback Player of the Year? We did not do Comeback Player of the Year. We did NFC Champs, AFC Champs, and then we picked the Super Bowl. That that makes sense. Uh, I I think had we done it, we probably would have picked Tamar Hamlin. Yeah, I think I would have picked Tamar. There's no way we could have known it was Joe Flacco. Although, that too, because he was sitting on his couch. Yeah, I, I did see a tweet that's very funny um, that we can laugh about because DeMar Hamlin's obviously doing great. Um, but by naming Joe Flacco uh, comeback player of the year, what the voters have said is it is more difficult to come back off your couch and lead the Browns to the playoffs than it is to come back from dying and playing the NFL. That's, that's how challenge. That's how steep the challenge is of taking the Browns to the playoffs. That's real. Apparently, Joe, Joe Flacco played in six total games. Correct. I know it, it seems ridiculous. I mean, not that Hamlin played in a ton. Uh, those guys, the, the guys too. ahead of him, but like, still, what he came back from? What he came back? Yeah, I think that's or like a you know, give me like a Brees Hall who was a stud all year coming off the ACL. 
Yeah, his team just stunk. His team was terrible, but I don't know. Like, what? It, Joe Flacco didn't really come back from anything. He just he, he came back couch. in the middle of the season because exactly. he wasn't signed. There was no, there was nothing to overcome other than he was a free agent. I don't see why that counts as comeback player of the year. Like, I don't understand why he's eligible. What did he come back from? Yeah, I don't get it. I don't, I, I don't get it at all. Not who, that, he, not that I'm. Flacco deserves recognition and praise. He was excellent. Sure. But comeback player of the year? Whack. Uh, all right. When we get back, uh, let's see. Here, here's what we still got in the show. We got Anthony's thoughts on the Super Bowl. Did you touch base with Dave? I texted Dave. Are we doing 6.15 or 6.30? Waiting for him to text me back. Mm. Okay. Well, I think Dave Johnson is going to join us at 6.30. I'm going to make a call there okay. uh, and say Dave's going to be at 6.30. So we'll have some thoughts from Anthony on the game. Uh, we got thoughts from Logan on the game, take command style. Uh, and then Dave Johnson will join us. That's how we wrap up the final uh, or the second half of the Hoffman Show on the Team 980 and always live on the free Odyssey app. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well. On the free Odyssey app, the home of the beeping computer thing that just likes to start in the middle of the show. It's not a smoke alarm because it's burning. What's, what's worse? When the temperature drops or when that goes off? Um, I, mm, they're kind of both temporary because when the temperature drops, I just kind of give you the Trey Young shiver and you know it's time to go. Time to go. Mm -hmm. uh, turn the to heat up. This I have no control over. <laughs> it just kind of starts going. I want to kick it. That probably is not good. Uh, we have told engineering like, Hey, this happens. Can we figure out? Because it's terribly, uh, detrimental to the quality of our radio show. Um, so there's that, um, by the way, right now, the, uh, the replays on NFL network from last night, I forgot early fourth quarter. Remember when Purdy missed Samuel in the end zone? Yeah, he like he's. It's it's tough throw. He's getting pressured. It's like three missed throws that he had, though. He had one to Ayuk, one to Samuel, and then he had uh, uh, their last possession when they kicked the field goal on OT. Yeah. Like he gets pressured. Ayuk is wide open in the back of the end zone, but well, Jennings Ayuk, is open for the yeah, first down. Jennings, Jennings is open. Well, it's supposed to be an out and up to Jennings. Oh, well, he was and open And Jennings, I don't know whether he quit on the route or he just like didn't have time or whatever, but, yeah, that's kind of – Kind of how that went. Um, but then, like, another – this is also another lost moment in the game. About 12.45 to go in the game, um, the fourth down completion to Kittle. Like, you imagine if Kyle goes for that and doesn't get it? Like, that – he goes for it, they get it. Yeah. Um, it's the right call based off the situation. But – at that point in the game, like th that's the kind of thing, like when when Dan Campbell goes for it on fourth down, right, and he doesn't get it, everyone kills him. And it's like we should have just kicked it, and Kyle goes for it, they get it, and then nobody talks about it. No one's like, ah, oh, what an amazing play, what an amazing gutsy call from Kyle Shanahan. It's like no, he just listened to what he should have done based off the situation. He, he coached it well, and like you don't. It's a, it's it's a lot of what sports media is, and I do this sometimes, and I'll admit it. But like, we love it's so much easier to criticize the decisions that don't work because it's there's more to talk about. Like, what do you say? Great call, 
great decision, great execution. Um, and that's like kind of it. But instead, uh, he goes for it. They get the touchdown a couple of plays later to Jawan Jennings. And then I think the question, like if you want to have a fun debate, should you try to go up five here instead of four? That's an old football debate. You're up three. What's the difference if you're up four or five? Like you're already up three. You go to go four. No, yeah, because but Jake it, Moody, right? But see, you make that face, but we know the result. Jake Moody gets the extra point blocked. He does get the extra point blocked, but I was doing a bit, Anthony. Oh, okay, like that's that's the kind of stuff that we do, though. It's like, well, you should have just you should have just gone for two. Yeah, like you, Moody's had trouble all year. Like, no. You make the right decision. Of course you go. You go for the higher percentage thing to make it a non-field goal game. But your kicker, like the problem is you made a mistake in the draft, drafting this kicker in the fourth round who's not that good. And you pay for it in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And then I'm mean, finally getting to see this again. God, he hooked the crap out of that. They said it can't. Went off its ankle. Yeah. Not good. Bad stuff. So the final 11-22 of the game, instead of being down by four, four, the Chiefs are down by three. They ultimately get the field goal tie. uh, Off to overtime we go, and we know how that ends. Uh, All right. When we get back, uh, Anthony, do you want to – let's go this. Let's go Anthony's thoughts on the game, and then depending on how we're doing on time, we'll get – uh, throw some take command in there as well, but Anthony Anthony's got some strong takes. He's so strong that he put him <laughs> he put him in the rundown. I was very upset. So uh, we'll unpack uh, Super Bowl Fifty Eight through the eyes of Anthony Haney next. It's off and show final hour here on the Team Nine Eighty, always live as well on the free Odyssey app. Anthony, I do feel like the temperature did just drop. By the way, definitely did, didn't it? Yeah, Ant's gonna go and uh, I'll give him the Trey Young. The Trey Young, uh, you know, ice it, ice it off, uh, shiver, hint signal here. It's gonna go adjust the thermostat. I know I, I'm not gonna like this is not Anthony's fault um, because definitely earlier in the show I saw you go and adjust it. I know that was a thing that you had already played with. So whatever settings is happening, uh, we really got hosed there. Yeah, I found myself adjusting that uh, the temperature like three times a show. So when I first walk in, yeah, and then I don't know, sometime don't like the first hour still, I readjust it, and then around this time I adjust it again. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's not great. Nah, it's a uh, big time, big time cold. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, caught up is what where Usher started last night. Uh-huh. We were taking bets on Ooh. what would be the opening song, and my guy G, one of my friends that was over. He said caught up, and I went, that's the correct answer. I had already put in my bet on, uh, I think I said daddy's home. Um, Which is a good, that's a good suggestion right there. Yeah, and then he said caught up, and then I was like, that's the correct one. That's 100% what it's going to be. And then Yale closed with yeah, and that's exactly what they did. I told Zaire caught up was going to be the song as well. Did you talk to Z? How how was it at the Dude, stadium? He's seen and met some cool people. We gotta get him on for a recap. But he met some cool people. The the Walter Payton Man of the Year um celebration was cool as well. People were making fun did, of him. Did he say anything if uh if Terry came up and said what's up to him? He talked to Terry. 
Yeah, well, <laughs> I can. He definitely talked to Terry. Well, I told Terry to go say what's up. Oh yeah, they talked. Um, they talked about how Terry's from Indianapolis, and uh, yeah, um, <laughs> Zaire respects him as a player. So okay, yeah. I feel like there's more to that conversation. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll debrief on that off here. But no, I saw Terry up there. Um, he was doing the bounty paper towel thing. Oh. Um, so he was on Radio Row, but not doing any interviews. It's just like where he had to do like his thing to get his money from Bounty or whatever. Yeah. Um, but he said he had a really good time. But I ta- I caught him because I was like before my show, and we caught up for like you know two minutes because he was on his way out to go do the thing. And I had seen Zaire earlier in the day. We unfortunately couldn't make it work. Z yeah. had scheduled some interviews, and by the time that we could tape, like he was gonna have to head out. So we'll get Z back on the show soon. Um, I will say DA had Zaire, and he said he's like best, like one of the best interviews he had all week. It was Zaire and Troy Palomalu. Whoa, were his two favorites that he had all week. He said like Zaire, he he came up to me. He's like Zaire Franklin is an amazing interview. I'm like I know. Yeah. yeah. Um. So he two two more Q's guys having having a blast. Yes. Um. But I saw Terry, and I was like, I was like, do you know Zaire Franklin at all? And he's like, no, I don't. Like I know who he is, but like I don't know him. I was like, you should definitely say what's up. He's great people. Um, he's like my producer's best friend and like, you know, indie guy. And, uh, so I don't know whether that's why Terry, like who initiated the conversation, but I might've been the, the impetus there. You might've been, I just know they had a good old conversation, but, um, now he definitely enjoy all of the, uh, just being there, you know, um, being amongst his greats, talented, uh, people, it was a whole bunch of hall of famers out there. You got to chop it up with Dwight Freeney, you know, uh, Q's legend. Q's legend, um, indie there were a legend. Whole bunch of, uh, Hall of Fame inductee. Man, there were too many people out there. Yeah, it's it's a crazy experience. I'm yeah, I'm I just can't imagine it sucks because the Super Bowl next year is in New Orleans and then it's in a, I think LA then Phoenix or Phoenix LA. So we, like, we don't have another East Coast Super Bowl for a long time, which is very annoying because that makes it very hard to go to the game. Um, which I've never been to the game. I've now been to three Super Bowl radio rows, but this was the first one that I have been to where like I actually have a show for myself. Yeah. Um, and I just can't imagine not going back. Dang. There's just too many people out there. And I would do almost like I would I have a couple things that I would do a little bit differently to get out ahead of some stuff in a more time efficient manner than I did this year. But I definitely think I will do pretty much the same thing next year. It was awesome. We're going to get you down there next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm eager. I'm sorry. I'm already starting to look at Airbnbs in New Orleans. Ooh. Yeah, New Orleans. I'm very familiar with New Orleans because my girlfriend used to live down there. So Yeah. I mean, the, the, the key for us this year was we had a place to stay, which made uh-huh. things much more cost efficient. I don't know anybody in New Orleans. So I got to figure that out. But anybody wants to anybody that has a New Orleans connection, so wants to volunteer a home, or just anyone that's listening that has a company that <laughs> wants to, because this is really how we should do it. Yeah, let's get let's get it sponsored. You can be the exclusive sponsor of our show, Super Week twenty twenty five, Super Bowl fifty nine. You sponsor, you pay for our travel, and that and that, then you get to to. Own the show for the week. Not really, but like you get your name on it. Yeah, which will be dope. So, uh, you know, if you're interested, go to HoffmanShow.com. There's a contact us link, and we'll connect you with the the salespeople. And y'all can get that straight away. We'll get it working on it now. 
I would say the same offer is on the table for uh, anyone that wants to pay for uh, some of our Indianapolis coverage because we are going to Radio Row, which is a very different Radio Row, um, but is really great. Um, Indianapolis, obviously, the NFL Combine in a couple of weeks because you don't have the random celebrities walking around. It's not the show that the Super Bowl is. But, like, for NFL media, everyone's there. There's more media at the Combine than there is the Super Bowl because, unlike, there's a lot of, like, if you're a major newspaper, you send your reporters. Like, Nikki was out there because she obviously covers the NFL for the Post on top of just the Commanders. Tons of papers, like, especially now that all these companies, like, own each other. It's like, oh, well, let's steal the reporter from Buffalo to help cover because the paper that you know Gannett or whatever it is owns multiple of these things and so there's there's so much media out there obviously but like every team pretty much sends their people to Indianapolis because also every coach and executive is there in a way that they're not at the Super Bowl and thus there's actual media availabilities so um that's a that's a fun thing like I'm certainly hoping that we had a chance to talk to some of the commanders folks that that make their way out to um, to Indy. So that'll be up, coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, all right, Anthony, you have many takes. I want to dive into the meatiest ones coming up uh, next when we have more time, now that we've spent uh, 10 minutes recapping uh, last week. Uh, but you have, do you have something of your takes from the game that was that's quick that we can tackle? Uh, quick, I would probably say... Just knowing the overtime rules, I, I think that was inexcusable of um, some of the veteran players on the 49ers. You got Kyle Juszczyk, you got Eric Armstead coming out talking to the media. First of all, I don't think they should have been telling the media that you guys didn't know or hadn't planned for this all week long. I think you should have kept that one to yourself. But the fact that you did bring it out and uh, bring it to the light, I think that's more on Kyle Shanahan to, uh, Shanahan to an extent. I see. I struggle with this. Okay. Because Kyle was prepared, right? Even if you disagree with the decision, which we talked about earlier in the show, the analytics say it's about a fifty-fifty proposition. Uh, I understand the arguments on all sides of it. I think you have to do what you think is best. I would do the opposite thing that Kyle Shanahan did, but I understand the idea of getting the ball third, which is if it's if you get a stop, they get a stop. You get a field goal, they get a field goal. Um, because touchdowns, you like someone's going for two. So, but if if you have that very plausible scenario where it's zero zero or three three after the first two possessions, then you have the first shot to end it, even with a field goal and sudden death. I understand that logic, and especially if your defense is gassed, which the Niners might have been, that might have been the right play. The players not knowing, I think I think you have to. Let me put it this way. I do think that's partly on Shanahan. I do think it's something that, like, I always remember Mike Tirico telling me this when I was in school. Yeah, I just dropped Tirico's name. What are you going to do about it? Um, but, like, Tirico would talk about when he prepares for a game broadcast that he always has the team's overtime records because while the chances that he has to use that information are slim, he would rather have it than have to go look it up in a commercial break between the end of regulation and overtime. And potentially, if there's, a, like, 
a really significant statistical difference. Like he wants to give the viewer that information. And so if Mike Tirico can be prepared for overtime to call the game, I do think <laughs> there is something to making sure that your team knows the rules. Even if you do it at the start of the playoffs saying like, Hey guys, just a reminder, rules change. And I would almost guarantee you that Kyle does this next year. Hey guys, remember rules change. It's not sudden death in the way it is in the regular season where it's, you know, touchdown and it's over. Each team's getting a possession no matter what. You know, here's how we're going to attack this. And that creates a confidence and a comfort that clearly the Chiefs had. And I do think that's a coaching mistake on Kyle's part, although not a big one. Um, because the other part of this is you have to put some of this on the players. Like, these have been the rules for three, four years now. That hasn't come up. No one's had to use them. Mm-hmm. But it these are the rules. It's your job to know the rules as a player. And especially if you're a veteran, not to pick on Juszczyk or Armstead, who I both I like a lot and I think are very smart and are good, but, like, you know, if we're going to trash Donovan McNabb for not knowing that a game could end in a tie, like, how do you not say, like, hey, guys, this is kind of on you to know. And also, you know, it's more important that the coach is ready than the fullback is ready. It doesn't change how they play. It does change how Kyle coaches. But I do think there is something to the clarity in decision-making and the the confidence in the plan when everybody's on the same page and there are no surprises. So I hear all of it. It's a mistake for sure by Kyle to not have his team 100% ready. Um, but it's... Are you deferring or are you receiving, though? If you win the coin toss... I want the ball second. Okay, so you're going I to still defer. come down on I'd rather know what I have, and this is going to be a two-possession game no matter what. There is no third. Yeah. Like we are like I guess if we're if we have a 48-yard field goal and it's 4th and 12 because we took a dumb sack on 3rd and whatever, then I guess we could get to a third possession. But I am going for like if it's touchdown touchdown, I'm going for two. Yeah. So I'm being super aggressive and I'm trying to make it a two possession game no matter what. Mm-hmm. And I in that case I want the ball second because obviously if they don't score or they get a field goal, my team knows what I need. So, just saying, man, huge play because the Chiefs they had to go for fourth and one on like their own twenty. They did twenty nine or thirty, whatever it was. And if they had had the ball first, I think you know Kansas City probably would have gone on to win the game, kick a field goal. But yeah, maybe they punted there. So it's it it definitely. It's and that's the thing is like then there's the the discussion like I know Orlovsky said this this morning on Get Up like he was defending Purdy. Oh my gosh. Well, he was, but to me, and I don't think Purdy was that bad. Um, he had a couple of misses, but like misses yeah. happen in games, and there was great pressure and a great job by, uh, by San Francisco or by Kansas City defensively. But he was saying like, if you're Kyle and you're going to go for it early, you have to, or you're going to get the ball first. Like you have to treat it like it. You need a touchdown. Yeah, and I don't know about that because. I like imagine if they go for it on fourth down at the nine yard line, it's fourth and four. They don't get it. Kansas City goes down and kicks a field goal when Butker's hitting from 70 in warmups. <laughs> like everyone's going to crush him. Yeah. So he kicks the field goal and then, you know, your defense needs to get a stop and they don't because Mahomes is Mahomes and he is inevitable. All right. Uh, there are some bigger gripes, I think, that are more significant for Kyle Shanahan. We'll get into that next on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show on the Team 980, always live as well on the free 
Odyssey app, man, watching uh, the final couple minutes of Super Bowl 58 back here as the replay is going on NFL Network right now. Um, so funny to see Anthony, like 16 seconds left uh, when Kelsey has that huge, huge crossing route, running mm. catch where you're going, oh my God, if he walk off touchdowns this thing, what, like, if Beyonce didn't break <laughs> the internet, Travis is about to. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the, we talk about the clutchness of Mahomes, the clutchness of Kelsey, man. I mean, think about some of the plays he's made this year in big spots. Think about that Buffalo game in the regular season where he finds Kadarius Tony on the throwback and it's only, like, called back because of the offsides thing, like that play last night. Uh-huh. He's got a couple other huge catches. And right before the snap, Romo's drawn something completely different. And Reed's just like, nope, Travis is not going out. Travis is going in. Uh, and then, and then, sure enough, uh, they wind up kicking the game tying field goal because they run out of time. But with ten seconds left, they try the the back shoulder to Kelsey. It doesn't work. Um, I mean, Fred Warner's just ridiculous. Um, but ultimately, the Chiefs do win it in overtime. And I think a huge part of this game that I know you wanted to talk about more was the start of the second half. Yes, big big lull offensively for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, what did you not like about what Kyle Shanahan did there? Uh, so in the first half, they ran the ball even when Kansas City knew they were going to run the ball. And they had success. They got down on the first drive. You know, McCaffrey ended up fumbling, but they were moving the ball repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. And then to start the second half, I just think Kyle Shanahan sort of kind of outsmarted himself Um, and, like, sort of kind of was just thinking too much. They went and ran, like, Six straight pass plays on like the first two drives, and it's just like, do I, I? You gotta go with what got you here. Running the ball, leaning on Christian McCaffrey, and even if you didn't want to lean on Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell would run the ball pretty well. So I just think uh, if you if you thought the workload was too much for McCaffrey, then just go with Elijah Mitchell. But Mitchell, but continue to run the ball because I just feel like Purdy. I'm not gonna say Purdy, you know, mysteries, but. I think uh, Spagnuolo just did a good job of telling his guys to watch out for the play action, and it sort of kind of felt like Shanahan just played right into his hand. So I agree with you in theory, but I think sometimes the game's a little bit more complicated than that, Mm -hmm. and this is where I struggle because they had run a lot on first down in the first half, and Kyle is trying to break that tendency. So they come out in the second half. They get the interception, actually, to start that. the the, Or sorry, no, this was... Yeah, yeah, this was to start the second half. So they get the interception uh, on the first drive, three plays, minus two yards, pick by Kansas City. So then they they come out, they're in plus territory, and they have an incompletion, a penalty. So now you're at second and 15. And they understandably throw the ball. They try to get a quick one to Debo, incomplete, third and 15. Well, now you're screwed, and now you punt. So you go three and out. Next drive, uh, they get the ball on their own 36, and that was, I think, the wacky, like, Jawan Jennings winds up losing eight yards because he gets knocked back play, if I'm remembering correctly, or is, whatever it happens, Jawan Jennings minus eight. So now you've gone second and 15 to second and 18 because you've decided to pass on first down. And passing on first down is smart because what happens on first down is you get base looks because teams are respecting the run, and if you can get some good play action or even just drop back, like you don't see some of the exotic stuff you see on third down because teams aren't worried about 
filling gaps for the run. So it's harder to pass against those looks. So first down can often be an optimal time to pass. They try it, minus eight, yikes. Now you're in second and 18. They, they throw a screen to McCaffrey, get seven yards out of it, but now you're in third and 11. They try a deep play to Kittle. Samuel's hurt on the play. Now you go three and out again. Third series, they actually start with a run to McCaffrey. It goes nowhere. Now you're in second and 10 again. Incomplete to Ayuk. Incomplete to Samuel. You punt. That's three straight three and outs. You've only run the football one time. But... You've had a third and 15, a third and 11, and a third and 10. Like, you're just behind, and you're second and 18, or second and 15, second and 18. Mm -hmm. And then second and 10 after a run. When's he supposed to run it? And I think that's the hard part is, like, the, the aggregate suggests, like, yeah, on one of those other two first downs, like, let's run the football. But it's it, I don't mind the tendency break, and then down and distance wise, it says you should throw it, and they just they didn't execute well in part because Kansas City's defense is outrageously good. Yeah, I feel like San Fran all yesterday had on the offensive side of the ball had definitely some self inflicted wounds. Uh, you talk about a couple of penalties on on Trent Williams, the muff, uh, the the fumble on on the punt. Yeah, that's killer. it wasn't a fumble. It was more so like it hit a, a play already. Yeah. Uh, so like they definitely uh, hurt themselves and got behind on the sticks. And I, I think even when you look at the 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 down to the third and down, I mean the third and distance. I guess it was like third and twelve. Third and down. long, yeah. Yeah, third and long. Um, that's because of you know getting behind on the sticks and having to uh you know dig your way out of those long uh those long the third and long um situations. So. Yeah, I mean, it's that's tough. it's it's really tough. And people, I think, want an excuse to crush Kyle. And I get it. Um, I think some of the pettiness that happens in Washington is ridiculous. Like, if you're still mad about Kyle, <laughs> um, you know, giving a game ball to his dad after he beats Washington, like, you just don't understand how badly he was treated here and how insane the Bruce Allen stuff and the Dan Snyder stuff was. They hate Dan Snyder. And guess what? If I was them... I would too. And if you're a fan and you're taking the Snyder side of it because at the time he was representing your team, then like look yourself in the mirror and ask what you're really doing. You're taking Dan Snyder's side over the Shanahan's. And I'm not saying Mike and Kyle were perfect and how they everything went down here with RG and um, RG certainly has his place and Dan had his place. But like at the end of the day, you're kind of you're you're pretty much siding with Daniel Snyder. So like if that makes you feel good when you sleep at night cool um but overall like i people want to crush kyle because he gets a lot of praise and because he's really good and then he hasn't won anything yet and the reality is he has won a lot he's won multiple nfc titles he's won a ton of divisions he's done more winning than anybody not named the chiefs basically in the last six years and he has won more than anybody in the nfc but when it doesn't result in super bowls people want to say you're a fraud or you're actually not that good or overrated. And the reality is he's not, he's just, he's a coach. Mahomes is a quarterback. The quarterback has more control than the coach. And like, what are you going to do? You're Pat Riley coaching the Knicks in the heat in the nineties. You're just running into 
into Michael Jordan all the time. Yeah. Is Pat Riley awesome? Yeah. And maybe eventually, you know, he gets his titles in the same way that Riley did uh, with the Heat and, you know, as an executive or as a coach or whatever version. I mean, Kyle's still young, relatively speaking. Kyle could be the coach of the 49ers for the next 25 years. And he would still be younger than I think Belichick is when he retired. It's crazy, but it's true. Um, so, end of the day, like, Kyle's great. He wasn't perfect yesterday. There's definitely decisions he wishes he should have had back. Um, but that's football sometimes. And uh, football the last six years has meant you run into Patrick Mahomes, and chances are you're going to lose. Uh, and that's the story of Super Bowl 58 above all else. The Hoffman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. We go down to Dallas. Dave Johnson joins us live on a Wizards game day next. It's the Hoffman Show, final half hour here on the Team 980. Of course, you're home for Wizards basketball, and it is time on a Wizards game day to bring in Dave Johnson. Time to get the radio party started. Blocked by Bilal Kulabali. Oh, oh boy, did he stuff him. Left wing pool, it's wow. there. Oh, that's a pool party. Yeah, the basket slam right there. Oh, they're stealing the oh, slam. You better go off. Intercepted by Kispert. Kispert now foul line. Oh, slam. Ooh, that'll dry your preserves. It's time for Dave Johnson on a Wizards game day. Kuzma for three. Oh, it's there. It's there. Big, big shot. On the Hoffman Show. Hey, hey, you better go on. Dave with us from Dallas, my former home. Dave, I think I have watched more NBA basketball games in American Airlines Arena than anywhere, certainly than anywhere but Capital One, and it might even be close. I went to a lot of Mavs games because you're. Have you been out uh, in in Victory Plaza there, the the center area outside of American Airlines uh, Center down there? I have, I have, right? so, because this is not my to use Texas terms, my first rodeo yes. in American Airlines Center. But but I did not know, and let's say all these uh, years together, I, I did not know this was your former home and that. Uh, it has yes. such an emotional connection. Yeah, uh, so if you're you. if you're standing in in the that Victory Plaza facing the AAC and that office building to the left uh houses the Cumulus family of radio stations which includes <laughs> uh ESPN 1033 which is my former uh-huh. employer. So I've spent wow. uh many many a days where I finished up work and walked over and saw Dirk Nowitzki take uh, take shots off one leg back in the day. Uh Yeah, and, and, and nobody could defend no, no, we're not going to see that tonight, and no one could defend those shots. But I don't know if you've uh, uh, found this. I get it. It's American Airlines uh, Center, but sometimes you just want things simplified. I just got into an elevator here, and I just wanted, like, the floor numbers. I, I know it's a crazy concept. When you get in an elevator, you want the floor numbers. Yeah. But, of course, they didn't do that. It, it was the admiral level, the platinum level. The, oh, boy. And you're, you're like, I get it. You're, you're using uh, American Airlines terms because that's part of your sponsorship. But, you know, somebody just told me to go to the, the second floor. And I don't know whether that's the admiral level or the platinum. I mean, it just, uh, anyway, it tells, you can tell I'm not going to have a very good broadcast. But I still invite people to tune in, even though I, I've been frozen by the, the elevator uh, uh, numbering, which is not numbering, it's lettering. Well, I'm going to say it's probably the second or third one. Although, you, if there is a floor level, does that count as like floor zero or minus one? Anyway. Well, and see, that's just it. That's just it. And it's just, uh, yeah. and, you know, it, the, uh, with, I know American Airlines is a great airline, but that's, uh, you know, that's not my, uh, what did hip kids say? That's not my jam. That's not typically it's what not your airline I of choice. fly on. Yeah. Right. It, well, it just, you know, it, it, it 
so I don't uh, I don't know their terms like Admiral and so I uh, am an American Airlines frequent flyer and I would have to hear the the list of options because I can tell you uh, that it is it is you know they they typically just have like silver gold platinum platinum correct. executive correct. Uh, correct and I am I am so close to platinum Dave. Uh, that is something well, that uh, potentially even by the time I get home uh, to, given that speech to on the see my in-laws uh, over the weekend, I'm hoping that those flights are the thing and the credit card spending. You took a good hit right there, but that's how you guys communicate sometimes. That that puts me in line. That is not at all what anybody is tuning in for, but I thought you No, this will be the last part of it. Now I feel like the broadcast will be better because, for the record, I'm on the platinum level tonight. Oh, there we go. Which is in sync with you. Yeah. All right. Well, next time that you're in Dallas, perhaps I'll be allowed to join because I will also be on the platinum level. That was American <laughs> Airlines joke, and that is the end of our American Airlines jokes. Uh, yeah. So, Dave, let, we haven't talked to you since the trade deadline, and I'm curious how uh, how surprised you are that this roster is still as intact as it is. Daniel Gafford, the only trade that the Wizards. Uh, wind up making I, I think a lot of us were bracing to have to say goodbye to Tyus Jones and have to say goodbye to potentially Kyle Kuzma even and, and, and some other players some of which seemed like like in Tyus's case seemed like a no-brainer because he's an expiring contract but uh, ultimately the Wizards decide retaining his bird rights and potentially signing him or, or signing him again this offseason and whether that's to be a part of the long term or to trade in the future was more valuable how surprised are you that this roster uh, goes outside of Gafford unchanged? Well, and I think it just goes to uh, something Will Dawkins said to me last week. You know, he's been through this before. You don't cheat the process. That means uh, you don't just sell because you're a seller. And, and we are a seller. There's no question about it. And other teams know that. But that doesn't mean you get taken advantage of. So in the end, uh, what they valued was the fact that uh, Daniel Gafford improved to the, the level. Uh, yes, that, you know, could you see him as part of the Wizards' future? And he was young and developing and certainly become a fan favorite. Uh, but he also uh, became valuable enough to someone else, in this case, my opponent, Dallas, for them to part with a first-round draft pick. And if you look at the, you know, landscape on, on trade deadline day, uh, you know, the, the picks were not flying around, certainly not first-round uh, draft picks. And, and uh, you just basically addressed the, the second part with the Tyus Jones that, 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 while he, it's an expiring contract, there's, the Wizards have some control in that uh, because of the bird rights. And so, uh, you know, do they decide, uh, look, as we're going forward, um, we, you know, we think Tyus Jones is still young and, and, and he's, he can help us uh, go forward and be a, be a part of our future because there is something to be said for as you're trying to develop a culture or develop a team for a point guard that uh, it's just crazy, just doesn't turn it over. And you can... You can, you know, go ahead, the basketball reference, whatever you want to do, go down the game logs. And, and he has some crazy numbers where, you know, I told you, in the month of January, for example, he had 15 turnovers in, in 15 games. And the only reason to reach that high number, if you will, of 15 was because he had three uh, in the final game of January. So, I mean, you know, it's, that's just crazy when you're, you're dishing on nine, ten assists a game and, and you're not, not turning the, the ball over. So the message was – Okay, yeah, Tyus Jones will attract attention, but we're not going to give him away. We're, we're, yes, we're a seller, but that doesn't mean we're going to be taken advantage of. And so, you know, if somebody had come to the table with something, uh, you know, i.e. first-round draft picks or something, or a first-round draft pick, maybe it'd be a different consideration. But there's just not going to give. 
um, Let's say you because they, they don't view this as okay. We have to be better by next year because that's that's not going to happen. You don't again. Will Dawkins has been clear that you don't shoot the process. So I don't know if I was surprised. You know, as as few moves because let's face it. You know, for a month, well, that's all we heard. Half the team was going to be traded, or, or speculation. Certainly, Gafford. Kuzma, I feel really you know, bad Tyus for you. Jones headed the, the speculation, in the end, only one was traded. Oh, and, and so, oh, okay, fine. Don't talk about it. No, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that. There was a TikTok video of this girl, and she was in her car, and she was like, you know, my boyfriend got romantic ball in his body. No, without a doubt, last minute or two here with Dave, joining us from Dallas Wizards and Mavs tonight. Eight thirty tip-off here in DC, right, Dave? 8.15 pregame. It's on the yes. half hour tonight. Uh, so 8.30, 8.15 is the pregame. Now, I do think that there will probably be some differences, though, after the All-Star break, maybe even starting tonight now that we're post-trade deadline, obviously, uh, was a quick turnaround to the games over the weekend. But do you think in talking with Will Dawkins and talking with Brian Keefe, that now we could see perhaps Bilal Koulibaly taking some extra possessions as a primary ball handler or some more change in the rotation now that the trade value of some of these players that are staying are are is no longer a concern in the short term. And that kind of the, the season of experimentation uh, or whatever the, the phrasing was that Will Dawkins used uh, after Wes Unsell was let go can really begin in earnest. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point. I mean, in other words, you know, now uh, basically the only shop window is internal. It's not like before the trade deadline where, where maybe you're trying to, uh, you know, show a player to other teams and, and, and all teams do that. Um, you know, specific to Bilal Kovali, you, you just, <laughs> again, I've never seen a rookie get the kind of uh, experience he's, he is getting. And, and I, I say that in terms of, no, people say, well, like, wait a minute, he's not starting. How can you say that? But... <laughs> If you really go inside the games and the defensive assignments he has put on and the caliber of players, um, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that uh, from a rookie. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll try to, to, to hide the rookie uh, from those uh, kind of matchups because, because that'll you know, hurt his confidence. But that's not been the case with Bilal Kulabali. But I, I think, yeah, we are going to see different combinations. We've already seen... Um, and this is a minor uh, change, but, um, you know, Eugene Omarui has been coming off the bench earlier. Now, having said that, that's, that, that's probably what that, maybe that'll change because, you know, Marvin Bagley is, is now healthy again and, and Rashawn Holmes is healthy uh, or is available and, and could see some time tonight uh, acquired, of course, in the Daniel Gafford deal. But, I, I, no, I, 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 to your point, I, I think, um, you know, if they want to, they do want to have a, a, uh, a chance to have a full evaluation of the roster over the next, uh, you know, 30 games, I guess, basically is left. And, and, and that's going to go quick. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, all possibilities uh, are on the table for various, various combinations and depending on the opponent as well. For sure. Uh, here's a stat for you that you don't have to look up. I'm just going to give this one to you because someone was complaining uh, to me on Twitter the other day about Bilal's minutes. Since Brian Keefe took over, he's third on the team in minutes. So he's not right. starting, no, it, but he is but, playing. Well, and it, again, I think we sometimes we get too much caught up in, you know, he's in this. It doesn't matter. It's, it's, uh, and again, that's, I don't even think that's necessarily a, a product necessarily of Brian Keefe, but. The, the Wizards, because of the situation they're in this year, um, they could bring Bilal Koulibaly 
on at, at the pace, uh, uh, along at the pace they wanted. In other words, it, it's not a surprise to me that his minutes is increasing as, as the season goes on. This was not an occasion, the case where, okay, you wanted uh, Bilal Labali to make an impact in November, and by December he's burned out and his rookie year is toast. So, uh, again, I think it's, it's a, you take a long-term look at things, um, and I think you're going to see his, his minutes cr- increase, but it's not, um, uh, again, they've got a plan in place. And just as we started this conversation, uh, they're not going to deviate from whatever their plan is. When I say we know generally what it is, but they've got it drilled down more specifically in how they treat each individual player, especially Bilal Kulabali. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, we'll see what Jordan Poole's minutes look like. If he and Tyus can you start so many options uh, now as we move forward. Dave Johnson will be calling all of it uh, here on the radio. The Team 980 pregame starts at 8.15 tonight. Dave, uh, thanks, and enjoy the All-Star break, sir. Yes, yes, I'm, I'm looking forward to the platinum level. I'm on my way there now. There we go. Excellent. All right, that's Dave Johnson with us here on the Hoffman Show. Uh Anthony, let's blow out trending, come back. Uh, We have breaking Commander's coaching news. Nothing like cataclysmic, but another addition to the staff. We will give that to you next.